Good morning. I am Rabbi Jonathan Freirich of Temple Beth Zion here in downtown Buffalo, and I welcome you to Crossroads. Crossroads is a production of Network Religious Communities and Townsquare Media. Who is Network of Religious Communities, you ask? Network of Religious Communities is an organization of denominations, congregations, and religious organizations located in and serving Western New York. We are Every religion you can think of, including some probably that are not familiar to everyone, like Baha'i and Sikh, as well as Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, Jewish, of many different types, Muslims and Unitarians, and we together celebrate the wonderful religious diversity of Western New York. Uh, Today, I am thrilled to be here with all of you. I am joined by two colleagues, not from Western New York, but they will be here So while on this Sunday morning they are in far-flung places like North Adams, Massachusetts, and Westchester, New York, uh, Rabbi Rachel Berenblatt, uh, who blogs as the Velveteen Rabbi, and Rabbi David Evan Marcus, who moonlights during the rest of the week as a judge, uh, these are two amazing rabbis who will be here as scholars in residence in Western New York on May 17th through 19th at Temple Beth Zion, and we look forward to having you both here. So I'm going to start out, uh, and because we are in three different locations, I'm going to try to address everybody and get get our started before we start interrupting each other. Uh, I'm going to start out and ask Rachel uh, a question that everybody loves to answer. What is it that led you to pursue becoming a rabbi? First, I want to say, Jonathan, thank you so much for having us. We're delighted to be on the air with you. I have always felt called to connecting people with God and with tradition and with the life of the Spirit. This is true for me as far back as high school. I was in a Jewish youth group at my synagogue. I was part of B'nai B'rith Girls. And the part of the youth group, you know, some people love the social activities. The thing I loved about youth group was when I got to be the kid who planned and led services for the other high school kids. And in retrospect, that feels a little revelatory to me. In college, I majored in religion. And one of my dearest friends gave me this book called The Jew in the Lotus, which is the true story of a group of rabbis from across the denominations of Judaism who went together to India to meet up with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, to answer the question of how the Jewish people have survived in diaspora for so long. And by the time I had finished that book, it was clear to me that someday I wanted to be a rabbi. That book set me on my path toward the rabbinate, and it gave me some terrific role models for what a rabbi can do and what a rabbi can be. Isn't it beautiful that, in fact, one of the source texts leading you to the rabbinate is, in fact, not primarily on its own a Jewish text, but, in fact, an intersection between Judaism and, in this case, Tibetan Buddhism. It's really wonderful. It shows sort of the diversity and depth of your own experience that's a a multi-layered Jewish origin story, as it were. Well, that was part of what called to me about the book was both the diversity of Jewish voices represented there and the diversity of Jewish practice which was pretty tremendous, and also the sense that all of these rabbis from all of these different parts of the Jewish spectrum were engaging with the wider religious world and with bigger questions of what it means to be a person of faith in modernity. That's excellent. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Uh, We're going to hear from David for a moment. So uh, 
Rachel serves Congregation Beth Israel in North Adams, Massachusetts, and David Evan Marcus is a rabbi at Temple Beth El in City Island, New York, uh, and lives during, I guess, the rest of the week in Westchester serving as a judge. Is that correct, David? Did I get that right? Close enough. Um, it's wonderful to be with you, John. I serve as a judicial referee in the New York Supreme Court 9th Judicial District, uh, which is in the lower Hudson Valley. It covers five counties from uh, the New York City border north about halfway to Albany. So depending on who is listening to this broadcast, it's either upstate or downstate. And I know politically that that is not a conversation that I'm going to have in public. <laughs> well, uh, so well, yes, we, we won't make you uh, sacrifice your judicial impartiality on the air. There you go. I work to support my rabbinic habits, as they say. I have a congregation that I serve in coastal New York called Temple Bethel of City Island, which we affectionately know is your shul by the sea. City Island is a part of uh, New York City that looks like it belongs somewhere in down east Maine. It is a still fishing village that juts out from the Bronx into New York Harbor, and we draw congregants from across the New York tri-state area. Fishing Village in New York City. I think that sounds like uh, a name for a good novel or a memoir for the rabbi of City Island. Uh, so, so David, uh, what led you into the rabbinate? Well, the long about answer is long, but the short answer is Rachel. Rachel and I had gone to college together, and the book that was formative for Rachel also was formative for me. I had read it and invited her to read it. At the time, I was serving as the student religious director at what answered for our college, Hillel, in a small college in Massachusetts. Oh, you can say Williams. It's, it's, it's okay. I, I, I can say Williams. There I am, the religious director at Williams. Some students of the religious persuasion that I call Judaism did things by the book in a certain way, and some did it by the book in another way, and some did it by no book that I knew, which to me was fantastic. But to them at the time, and college students being college students, we all took ourselves very seriously. Uh, it just seemed very political. And I said to myself, you know what? This thing just seems so political, I might as well go into politics. Well, that's what I did. Uh, out went the idea of serving as a rabbi. I got a law degree. I got a policy degree while I was in law school, I looked up at one of the cornices of an academic building at my law school, and I saw engraved there the words that I would later associate with Exodus 18, teach them ordinances and laws, suitably enough for a law school, and show them wherein the way they must work and the work that they must do. And I thought to myself, wow, this seems pretty cool. What I didn't realize at the time is that that was a biblical phrase. So I later associated that, because uh, I looked it up, with Bible, and I thought, hmm, somehow Bible and law intersect. Somehow faith and public service intersect. And I didn't fully understand how. It would be some years later when I took a leave of absence from my public service job uh, to go work on a political campaign that Rachel said, you know, there's this retreat for Jewish spiritual leaders. You ought to go. I said to her, you're on crack. I'm in public service. I'm not going to be clergy. I would not want to be a spiritual leader. She said, you're going. Well, I went. 
And one thing led to another, and I found my teachers. What I didn't know was that one could be a spiritual leader in any sense of the word and also be in government service. I said to one of my mentors at the time, I don't know how to do this. I don't think it's, it's ever been done. The whole phrase of separation of church and state exists for a reason. What should I do? And my mentor said, well, maybe your life will evolve into the answer. And at the time, I thought, oh, you very nice but misguided man. <laughs> but years later, it turned out that he was right, that the separation between church and state or synagogue and state or faith and politics, while those separations are important, they're not impenetrable. They're not brick walls. Right behind me on the bench are the words, in God we trust. And well, that very that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> It is another conversation, but it convinced me that the conversation could be had, and that simply saying that it wasn't so or couldn't be done was not an accurate depiction of either faith or public service as those constructs have come to uh, be understood throughout our nation's history. Well, certainly, and and, and I'm going to interrupt you here for a second because I want to let everybody know that we're... You're listening to Crossroads, which is a production of the Network of Religious Communities, and I'm Rabbi Jonathan Fryrish here in Buffalo, and our guests today are calling in remotely from North Adams, Massachusetts. That's Rabbi Rachel Berenblatt and uh, Rabbi David Evan Marcus from City Island in Temple Bethel in New York, in New York City, uh, was just speaking, and we're talking really about the intersection of our lives between public service, uh, the wor- the people that we are in public, and the spiritual life. Uh, the two of you are coming and joining us to lead us uh, in worship in the inner life. But the inner life, of course, is meant to be played out. And a fundamental Jewish teaching is that we are whole people because we have deep, profound spiritual uh, journeys that support taking an, a stand in the outer world. Uh, I like to sum this up by saying that one can't be a mystic without being a mensch. Uh, the, and of course, the word mensch in Judaism is Yiddish for a person of integrity, that we have to be a person of values uh, if we are also to have a strong spiritual life. So with the two of one of you, uh, well, so we can go back to Rachel uh, you're going to come and you're going to you're going to teach a class for us on poetry and lit and psalms. Uh, you're going to lead us in a Saturday morning service and tour study and a Friday evening service with David. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. Tell me, for you, where is this uh, intersection? Uh, where's your journey taking you, and how are you leading us in this idea of the the personal, the spiritual, and the public and the active? For me, there needs to be a connection between inner life and outer life, right? Between what goes on on the inside and the face that we show to the world. And this is a very Jewish idea. My spiritual path, my path to the rabbinate, took me through a detour into poetry. Poetry is my other vocation. Uh, was my, I got a master's in writing and literature from Bennington before coming to rabbinical school. And for me, the path of poetry is very akin to the path of prayer. 
They both require carefulness of language. They both require being attuned to what's going on inside. What am I really feeling in this moment? And what am I called to speak forth, whether those are words in a prayer book that someone else wrote that I'm now giving voice in my own way, or whether they are the words of my own heart. One of the things that I love about being a rabbi is that some of the biggest tools in my spiritual toolbox, which for me includes poetry and regular prayer and song and learning, all of those are part of my job. Hmm. I get to come lead Saturday morning services, whether I'm doing that at my community here in the Berkshires or when I come to Buffalo. I get to come and pray and sing and engage with poetry and scripture and big ideas and meaning. And I get to call that my day job. That's what I do for a living. And that's a pretty extraordinary thing to me. And it's something that makes me feel pretty, pretty blessed. It's, it's a beautiful expression of the fact that uh, when we share the inner journey, we create something bigger than ourselves outside of ourselves in the sharing itself. Thank you. David, uh, similar, similar question? Inner, outer life? Mm. So one of the things that I've noticed, especially in this time in society, is that there are a lot of people searching for meaning in their lives more overtly than might have been the case in past years and past generations. That doesn't mean they're doing so necessarily through a religious lens, but they are looking for meaning. And that search for meaning is in one respect not different from the search for meaning that has characterized all of humankind for as long as we've been able to say words like those. What makes this time different is that we have so many things, whether those things are material things or informational things, Google and things in our homes that can tell us on what page it says and pull up any song we want to hear. We have all sorts of things. We have countless radio stations and television stations and live streaming. But for all of our things, for a lot of people, that has not led to a greater sense of meaning, a greater sense of wholeness, but frankly, less meaning, less wholeness. I did not, when I felt called to begin this journey, that my journey would actually be a journey of meaning and that I would be expressing and searching for meaning through the lens of religious life, but not as the ends of religious life. The purpose of religious life is to bring us toward meaning within ourselves and beyond ourselves. It is not to say what it says on this page or eat this or don't eat that. Those are ways to achieve something. Learning with people from all different stripes and serving with people of all different stripes who likewise feel called to that journey of meaning, which is so much more important now precisely because we seem to need it more and have it less, has taught me that the yearning out there for the journey of meaning is really palpable. 
It Which certainly is. Uh, well, and and I think one of the, one of my um, imperatives in bringing the two of you here, uh, first of all, I find both of you inspiring and amazing teachers and leaders of worship. So I thought great to share that with everybody. Even more importantly, though, we have in our synagogue lives uh, a diversity of people coming. And I'm, I'm sure this is in houses of worship everywhere. And everyone wants as close to a 100% meaningful experience as possible out of their showing up to anything now. And you, you point this out, David, in this, we have this vast selection. We don't have to sit and choose between four TV stations anymore. We can choose the show and binge the series that we absolutely want to see and reject everything else. So how can we possibly end up with a spiritual experience that is going to be anything but a compromise? Because as you know, the diversity of what both of you have described is your encounter with Jewish spiritual life, Jewish religious life, is a lot of people doing a lot of different things. So we come together for one service, for one moment, and everyone has to compromise. No one is going to get 100% spiritual experience, or if someone does get that, the likelihood is very few others will. We're all going to be uh, compromising to some extent. One of the things that I really uh, enjoy about what the two of you bring is that you're going to bring a different selection of sort of Jewish normal, whatever that might be, to us here in Buffalo. And I think you're going to provide a lot of different ways in for people to find meaning and then take it and share it. Uh, are there any particular ways that you see yourselves, either of you, doing this through uh, the way we pray, through the music we use, through the reflections or the actions we recommend? Because ra- rabbis do a lot of recommending. Uh, is there something in particular that you'd like to highlight that you think will bring us all together around something that we can share? You know, I think. There's always a tension between individual spiritual practice and communal spiritual practice. And on an individual level, maybe we can each do whatever we each find most meaningful, right, Jonathan? That that's the that's the spiritual equivalent of I'm going to stream, you know, three seasons of Great British Bake Off or Game of Thrones or whatever the thing is that I'm into, right? I can I can find the thing and seek out the thing. Right. So maybe for me, one of those paths in is poetry or is music. When we come together in community, part of the point of being in community is that we're going through something together. And in the same way that communities go through ebbs and flows, through difficult times, through difficult moments together, and through moments of celebration and sweetness, every time we come together as a religious community on a Friday night or a Saturday morning, it's that experience in microcosm. Someone in the room is going to be grieving Someone in the room is going to be rejoicing. Someone in the room is going to be thinking, I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing here. Our job as leaders of of prayer and leaders of song is to try to bring all of those people into an experience together. And it's not so much about the words on the page, although I think we have some very nice words to use. It's not even so much about the individual melodies that we bring, although I love all of the melodies that we've chosen. It's about the experience of joining our hearts and our voices 
and our beings, our presence together in song and in community and in prayer that allows us to emerge from that experience feeling different than we did when we walked in. Beautiful. Yeah. David, did you have something to add? Maybe a couple of things. And one of them is timed to this moment in the Jewish lectionary, the Jewish cycle of reading Torah. This week's Torah portion says in Hebrew, Kiddoshim Tihiyu, that you will be holy, you collectively, or in the uh, the Southern vernacular that Rachel grew up with in Texas, y'all, y'all will be holy. By its nature, y'all is communal, y'all is collective. But that stands in very stark contrast to the Western ethic that most of us were were reared on, that we receive in our social media, that we get at work, that we read in the papers that we're taught is our civic right of individual rights and individual liberties and individual experiences. The very notion of your question, Jonathan, that, you know, we're all going to need to make sacrifices. Yep, it's absolutely true. It's part of what defines a community. And it's precisely in doing that and becoming a community, being larger than the sum of our part, that we aspire to that notion of holiness, which I'll recast as meaning beyond ourselves. So exactly by doing that, we aim to achieve some of that. Of course, the experience is also felt individually. And in this respect, I'll, I'll offer a strange analogy. Each of us is going to be sitting in different seats, literally and figuratively. For those of us who go to gyms or work out or have any physical regimen at all, we each experience that regimen in proportion to what we put into it. But the mere fact of having a treadmill or having a weight or watching a yoga tape or, or, or is not actually going to achieve anything. When Rachel spoke about experience, that is a profound and often, sadly, overlooked aspect of communal spiritual life that we're not just the Jews of the potted plants or the Christian parishioners who are sitting there watching a show or, or whatever the religious tradition may be. If we are not actively, individually engaged in experience of what's happening within us as a way of touching what is beyond us, and then take that and bring it out into the world, then it's a skit, then it's a show. And it's it not- may be a very nice at a nice show. So but it's just that. So just so we'll to, aim to achieve the balance of both. So just to let everybody know, uh, this is uh, Crossroads, a production of network, the Network of Religious Communities and Town Square Media. I'm Rabbi Jonathan Fryrish, joined today uh, here in Buffalo uh, over the phone by Rabbi Rachel Barenblatt and Rabbi David Evan Marcus. And we just hinged off of a teaching from... Uh, this week's Torah reading, this week's reading in Leviticus, uh, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1, that talks about the communal nature of holiness, that talks not just how each individual has to be holy, but we achieve holiness together. In fact, it goes so f- even farther, uh, as, ra- as Rabbi uh, Marcus alluded, than just using the plural. It says, the entirety of the community of Israel must pursue holiness together. And it taking place in the middle 
of Leviticus, which seems to be focused on the priesthood, nonetheless shifts from the leaders of the community to the entirety of the community, that all of us must show up and participate together. And thus, linking all of your observations, both of you and your reflections, your wisdom, about the need for doing internal work that happens among people and thus transforms one another and our communities together. Uh, Both of you are going to bring select topics on Saturday afternoon this week. So that's going to be Saturday afternoon, May 18th. in at Temple Beth Zion at 805 Delaware Avenue. So please uh, check out our website, www.tbz.org, to see all of the events going on. Uh, is there anything you'd like to preview or highlight, something that you'd like to mention that we'll be talking uh, about uh, over the course of the weekend that one of you would like to, or both of you would like to give us a, a, a teaser for? One of the things we're going to be exploring, hopefully experiencing, learning about in a variety of ways, is what it means to live in holy time, what it means to take note of when and where we are in the holiday cycle, when and where we are on the calendar, and how that noticing, that mindfulness, can enable us to lift up the gifts that we bring to our communities, to the world, and the work that we need to do. So we look forward to opening that up with y'all. And uh, and this time of year, uh, this is perhaps the most intensely Jewish uh, crossroads that I've done in a long time. Uh, this time of year in the Jewish calendar is one where we count every day. And so the sequence of counting the days and increasing our mindfulness of the passage of time as an, as something not to be missed. So, yes, yeah, so that'll be the the Torah of time, as you call it, will be Saturday morning at 9.15 on May 18th. And David, did you want to mention anything? Sure. So I'm going to be bringing forward two particular issues that arise from my work in public service. One of them, which sounds like a Jewish issue, but... Hint, hint, it's very much not. <laughs> if you ask voters, what's a Jewish issue? I mean, obviously, the first thing they're going to say is something about Israel. And I'd like to explore whether that's really true. You know, what's a Jewish issue? And do Jews actually have a duty to vote? And what does that mean? And for what should we vote? Now, I can't take partisan positions because of my day job. And I would argue that if you answer those questions in terms of partisanship, then you're getting the answer wrong anyway. But we'll unpack part of that. The other thing that I'll be doing, uh, that would be Saturday afternoon, and then on Sunday morning, I'm going to be sitting with members of the bar in Western New York State and talking about what it's like to be a lawyer and conduct ourselves professionally when there are things happening inside of us that we sometimes feel like we can't bring to the table. Like any profession, whether it's doctor or teacher or lawyer or, oh, I don't know, rabbi, we have inner lives. And how do we live our inner lives compatibly with our professional responsibilities without feeling like we've been sliced and diced into pieces? 
I have to do that because in my day job, there are restrictions ethically, which makes sense because there are things that we expect judges not to do. But in my clergy role, there are other things that you expect that I should do. How do I walk that two-step and still remain a whole person? What can we learn as professionals to make the practice of law and public service and serving our communities more holistic, to break down that barrier somewhat between what happens inside and what happens outside, and also be authentic to both. So that'll be Sunday morning. So, Rabbi Rachel Barenblad, Rabbi David Marcus, I am so looking forward to you joining us here in Western New York. I think we've covered an immense amount of ground today and hinted at a lot of different things the power of a community coming together and praying and transforming words on the page into words of the heart and those words of the heart into words that we speak and collaborate on to transform the world together. Uh, we have uh, poetry and liturgy and music and discussions of law and politics, uh, which hopefully will not uh, cause David to lose any of his professional standing in the world, and any number of other things going on this coming weekend, uh, May 17th through 19th at Temple Beth Zion here in, here in Buffalo. And I really can't thank you both enough for joining us here and for joining us today on, uh, on Crossroads, which is uh, this amazing radio project of the Network of Religious Communities uh, that is broadcast every Sunday morning with the help of Town Square Media. And so the two of you, I wish you a very, very good week, um, good counting of the days, and meaningful journeys and safe journeys on your way here to Western New York at the end of the week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Totally delighted. Thank you again. Thank you, everybody. And we say... Good morning.